A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official Expanded Universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the Force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 200 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes as well as Stitcher and right on our own Twitter and Facebook pages at SWBeyondFilms. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman. And with me, like BB-8 with Poe Dameron, the EU guru himself, the count of those two continuities, Mr. Fuji, I mean, Mr. Nathan P. Butler. Shouldn't I be responding? like that somehow if i'm the bb8 if i'm if i'm the ball to your standing up erect man wait a second there's something wrong with that (laughs) and it's begun already uh yes yes folks we are back uh it's been a been a while i i looked into the uh skype discussions and scroll back and scroll back to find when it was that we recorded the last two episodes that were released and i believe it was may 5th Oh. So it's yeah, it's it's been a while, but we you know kind of life sort of took over and made it so that without bringing in a, an exceptional new editor, um, who knew where the show was going to wind up? But we've brought in uh, Michael Yankovic, who's been uh, showing us his talents with the mo- the most recent episode that was released, and uh, you'll be hearing more of his magic as we continue forward. Mm-hmm. That's right. In fact, I'm very excited to bring him on. I'm I'm hoping we can get him uh, onto the show sometimes, talk about some comics, some of the books. Uh, he's also an avid reader. Timeliner, in fact, so it's kind of cool. Um, Nate, aside from that, man, what have you been up to? I know we've got a move. We've had some – I mean I know my end of things. We've had some tragedy. We've had a bunch of stuff going on. Let's do a quick, uh, let's do a quick uh, talk about where we're moving from here. Where are we now? It's been so long we need a where are they now kind of post. Uh, usually that's needed for a sitcom 20 years later. Um, well, yes, uh, my wife and I did buy a house. We finally got all that finished up. We moved in mid-July. Uh, we've been sort of tinkering with it since then, a little bit here, a little bit there. We're on our last big thing, which is waiting for a garage door to be delivered and installed. But um, yeah, so we're living in a house now instead of the apartment, much bigger. Got a new kitten in here with us because we don't we aren't limited to the number of cats. Um, I've turned the one of the rooms in here into my Star Wars office, so it's where I work when I'm working from home. And uh, has all my Star Wars stuff all kind of together, kind of inspired by your studio. Nice. And uh, I did a, did videos on the YouTube channel, and I'll reference that here a few times. So just youtube.com slash user slash chrono radio or just search Nathan Butler. But I did sort of a documentary type thing of – or documenting type thing where you know every time I did a few new things to the room, I would do a video recording so you could see how it evolved. So it's in its final form or pretty much its final form now. I've still been doing a lot of the YouTubing stuff at this point uh, from the Star Wars home video library is still going strong my vlog the voice of reason or lack thereof still going strong I did let's plays 
of all the story missions from Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens, and we'll continue to do that as more DLC ones are released. Uh, still doing some of the Battlefront livestream podcasts, well, not as much as far as live streams go. And then I've become the regular second host uh, with Michael Morris over on Cloud City Casino. I think the last time that we were together recording, I was sort of filling in temporarily from time to time. And now I've sort of become the regular second host, except for episodes where there's nothing really in my wheelhouse to cover. And it's something where we can bring in a guest to sort of fill in my spot. But uh, yeah, lots and lots going on there. I taught summer school. I'm now back into second semester or second semester, the uh, the next year, the second full year of uh, teaching with Fulton Virtual all online. So I got about 202 students at this point, um, but there's another teacher with me. So the load isn't quite as bad as it was last year. Things are just kind of slowly progressing. Uh, my wife's uh, has gotten an, a work injury, so she has another health saga going on alongside the other health sagas. Lots of workers' comp visits to get her uh, her hand and wrist checked out. And then I somehow managed while moving to to screw up my knee. It started swelling, and I couldn't quite figure out why. It's like swelling on top of the kneecap, only to eventually go to the doctor for a second time. First time it was, eh, it may just be that you strained it while you were moving heavy stuff. Don't worry about it. My second visit where it was still like that about a month and a half later, they look at it and to both doctors in the office are like, what the hell is that? You don't know what that is. <laughs> so I uh, finally got an ultrasound on it. Apparently there's fluid on my knee, so I get to start seeing an orthopedist and who knows, maybe they'll drain it. Maybe I'll have a surgery on it. Gosh, it's all, you know, it, it all sounds so fun. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's been, you know, kind of steady progression here. Nothing too horrible but we've had sort of the bumps along the way um i'd like to think that we're still sort of steadily making ourselves uh, make some forward progress i guess i'm keeping that optimistic view how about you i know you did a lot of you've done a lot of shots that i've seen on facebook and videos and such of of camping and hiking and stuff like that so you've kind of been out in the wilderness again yeah you know that that's the ups uh we've had a lot of ups and downs this last year uh you know starting at the beginning of the year my wife had that hysterectomy uh you know she's only 37 so coming that soon was a kind of big shock for us she missed a whole week of work which kind of threw our finances into a spin it was still you know we each took on an extra job so i'm working three jobs she's working two jobs at the moment on top of all the other stuff we're doing. Uh, so, you know, I do lots of scouting things. Summer comes and bam, you know, next thing you know, we're camping every other weekend kind of thing. And yeah, lots of uh, I got new equipment to uh, videotape and that kind of stuff for my phone, which is kind of cool. A little cheap stuff, a little fisheye lens, macro lens, wide lens uh, and a selfie stick. I know it's so sad to say, but I, I enjoy having one. But I feel like that kid that like, I don't know, like I, what, what's socially not cool anymore. I don't even want to I don't want to say because I have this feeling if I say something socially not cool, it'll be cool and I won't be cool to say it but i feel like i'm that kid that's like afraid to say he's doing something because it's it's just not socially cool every time i say selfie stick i feel a little bit of shame <laughs> but yeah uh, i have that uh then uh, we uh had uh you know birthdays stuff like that going on like normal we got it all stacked up and then uh my mother-in-law had a turn for the worse with her uh lung cancer uh, it shifted into brain cancer back in november uh, they didn't think they were going to be able to operate, uh, and then come February, they did a rush emergency surgery, uh, and you know it was looking pretty good. We thought things were on the uh, uprise, but while she was on the uprise from the brain aspect, the uh, lung cancer came back and just came back with a vengeance. Uh, went in and did the old uh, attack on the body, and it was just a matter of days. She was gone within a week. It, it was quick. 
Uh, and my wife's still, you know, we're, we're now almost a month and a half out from that. And she's still every day reeling from it. So that's kind of like the hardest blow to the family was, was losing grandma. Um, but yeah, we've had a lot of ups and downs. And then like, you know, you said with your moving and stuff, it like, it just kind of all fell like right you know, we were just about ready to schedule another recording and then bam, something would happen. And, you know, here at, at Star Wars Report and, you know, the Second Airborne Division of Podcasts, we always say, you know, family come first. So that's kind of been the thing. And I, I you know, it really it bothered me because, you know, we were on that point. We were we had passed Star Wars Report. We were the flagship, uh, you know, had the most episodes out and then. Right as we passed, it was like right when that happened and it just I, – I kept wanting to get back to it and get back to it. And I felt really bad about the fact that, you know, we were just – we just kept putting it off. And, and, you know, it was always that, well, you know, family first kind of thing. But eventually I got to that point where I'm like, man, we got to talk about Star Wars. We got to talk about some expanding universe. We got to talk about some canon stuff. We got some books and comics out here. Hey, we got to get back on the horse. But <laughs> I just had no time to get to the editing. So, yeah, having Michael come out and, and uh, respond to the post I put out there a while back, uh, that was a, a blessing in disguise, a total God. Godsend. So, I, you know, from the bottom of my heart, Michael, thank you very much for uh, stepping into that role. And uh, I hope everyone out there appreciates uh, what he's able to do and and help us out here, you know, and get the show back on and, and on course and going strong again, man. We got to find the Falcon and get it going. Chewie, we're home. And it was a home that that's, that was in doubt a couple of times. Uh, I'll get into when we get to the state of our own fandom, where I've been mentally as far as uh, as far as really discussing certain topics at all. But uh, I think that's that's probably going to be rant material later. Um, he mentioned that we are sort of starting to get back on track, and part of that, unfortunately, is that the last two episodes that were recorded in May were feedback episodes, and we still had two more people worth of feedback to cover. But each of those people sent in so much feedback, we were looking at about an hour or two-hour episode each to be able to respond to all of their feedback. Um, because sometimes people send in feedback, and it's quick, and it's just a, a little blurb, and we can hit a bunch of them in one episode. Sometimes people send feedback frequently or multiple parts to the same thing, and it just becomes this huge thing to try to read or to try to listen to on an episode. Um, given that we're talking about, in, in one case at least, feedback that goes back as far as December – we decided we just kind of need to have sort of a clean slate here to be able to move forward without constantly trying to play catch up. Um, so we may hit some of the points brought up in those other pieces of feedback. I've kept them um, in the future, perhaps maybe boiled down to the basics or something. But having full episodes for that feedback just isn't viable at this point. We need to sort of get back into the swing of things. We need to get back into covering specific material and whatnot and uh, this episode giving sort of a state of uh, sort of discussion is hopefully going to be a good reset point for that uh, here as we hit the 200th episode. Here at Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions, questions that have bothered you for a long time, or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars, and so do we. This episode, we address the state of our fandom. Now, consider that your spoiler warning, Beyonders and Sentients of All Ages, because here we go. On another adventure, Beyond the Films. Yeah, so this episode, we're going to be hitting the three main points Nate was kind of hinting at up there. The state of Star Wars... The state of our fandom in general, and the state of our personal fandom. So with that, Nate, 
let's get this ball rolling. All right. Well, so the state of Star Wars, uh, not us, not the fans, but Star Wars sort of in general as a franchise, I got to say that I think this is something we kind of got to hit bits and pieces of because it may be strong in one area, but weak in another. Very much like if you hear a president give a State of the Union address, they may be like, we're doing this that's awesome, doing this that's awesome, doing this that's awesome, but oh yeah, terrorism. You know, there's always the downside to go with it. Um, so I guess to start out with, I would say we could sort of lump together, I think you and I both would, the video side of things, which would be films. So The Force Awakens being released recently, and then we have Rogue One coming up and Episode 8 coming next year, and TV which would include not just Star Wars Rebels at this point, but also Lego Star Wars getting an ongoing series with the Freemaker Adventures. And I got to say, I think in that regard, Star Wars is incredibly strong. Uh, the Force Awakens had very high critical acclaim. Uh, it's It broke all kinds of records as far as box office numbers. It, for me, it's my favorite of the Star Wars films at this point. Uh, Rebels is going very, very well. I, I feel that it sort of took things up a notch from the Clone Wars. And even if you look at the Freemaker adventures, they're giving us an ongoing story that I'm sitting back just sort of wishing most of the time, boy, I wish without some of the gags in this, this story could be considered canon and then we get Jack showing up in an episode and you realize okay well it's not that but that's part of that same continuity as you know the Yoda Chronicles and new Yoda Chronicles and all of that stuff so even the Lego saga is growing in that regard and they're all pretty high quality stuff uh, my wife and I are really enjoying not just watching Rebels but watching Freemaker Adventures and usually we'll watch the Lego things and be like ha <laughs> and be kind of bored with it by the time we get to the end. But this has kept us going. So video production-wise, movies and TV, I think Star Wars is exceptionally strong at this point. I would argue probably – they may be as strong as they've ever been because – Granted, we had, you know, with Rogue One coming and everything, it's all kind of an unknown, but it looks really good. But I think back to the classic trilogy era, and even when the films were strong, the TV shows weren't. It was like Ewoks and droids and the Ewok telemovies and the holiday special. Whereas if you look at the prequel era, the prequels were kind of going strong in their era, whether you love them or hate them. And Clone Wars really didn't come until after that. So it was sort of an either or. And now we've got both kind of going gangbusters. So a uh, very good place for that. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is the medium that Star Wars does the best. Uh, and I think because of that, you're going to see, you know, it doing really well. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I really enjoyed The Force Awakens. Um, I, I still put it up there as my favorite film right now, but I'm still digesting that. Uh, you know, we've, we've got reviews on iTunes, which just cracked me up because usually it's somebody obviously listening for one episode and then assuming things and then talking mad smack. Uh, and one of them was our our, our blatant uh, uh, apologist approach to The Force Awakens. And it's like I don't think that that's a, an accurate assessment at all because I'm still digesting this film. There are a lot of things about it that could change. My perception of things could change with the uh, reveals in the next film. Uh, but I, I still I, I liked where you know the new video productions of Star Wars came out kicking, uh, and The Force Awakens is a good step up for that rogue one is looking really intense uh and i think for a second film of the new generation of films like i think we're in a good place uh like you said with rebels the action on rebels is increasing to a point where i'm almost at the point where i'm going to say that rebels after this season could possibly be my favorite of the two between clone wars and rebels i've always loved the stormtroopers uh the designs and stuff the clones from the clone wars but the 
the elements of the Jedi versus the Sith and, and the background of what's going on with Ezra's character and Kanan teaching him, that is becoming my bread and butter. I am really getting a kick out of where season three is is set to drive us. Uh, so I'm getting a big kick out of that. When it comes to the Lego Freemaker, I haven't watched it up to date. I've only watched a few of the episodes. And I'm a little hesitant on that one only because like 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 you were mentioning, you know, you'd be excited if it was canon. I'm still on that. Like I don't feel like they've explained how it sets in canon well enough that I feel comfortable with the show because I'm kind of like, you know, like, ooh, Emperor Likey. I'm like, ah, what the hell is that? Like I, I get that it's, you know, the Lego aspect, but yet there's that angle of – when they say it's Lego canon, and then of course you know the the where do we hear it was Lego canon? Like there's no official statements about it, and that really bothers me. Like, and I, I know that's probably my own personal pet peeve in fandom, the whole continuity angle that I just can't let go. But there's a part of me that's like goes back to April, uh, you know, of 2014, going, it's all canon unless noted otherwise. And I don't see a Legends banner on this thing at all. I mean, or, or uh, you know, Lego Universe, which would be a great logo to slap on there, and I'd be okay with. But I, so there's that angle of me where. I'm like, I watched the lady, uh, you know, and I don't remember her name, but in the first episode where her facial markings change and turn sithly, and I'm like, whoa, we got moving tattoos now. Okay. I, I take my stuff a little too serious at times. And I don't know. The, the the issue with the Lego thing is like I need to let it go, I guess. Like I, I just need to pretend it's infinities and roll with that, right? I guess. I mean, it's it's right there alongside and, and they didn't make this clear ever, really. I mean, I think that the comment of it being a Lego canon was kind of like, OK, well, you know, it means it's it's a Lego thing. It's not canonical. Maybe we'll see some echoes of it. We'll see kind of like the video game for The Force Awakens, Lego Star Wars, The Force Awakens. It's echoing canonical events that are referenced in other works, but it's in a Lego sort of way. But when they finally brought in Jack 14, that's when I was like, OK, well, then obviously when they say Lego canon, they mean it's in there with the other recent Lego series. They're not meaning it's canon that happens to be Legos. They're saying it's in the Lego continuity, the Lego canon, so to speak. But yeah, the terminology, it's going to get messy again. It <laughs> was already messy before and it's not going to get simpler. No. Um, yeah, it's going to be. A, now, you you mentioned Rebels slowly getting to the point where it may have surpassed Clone Wars for you. Uh, we'll have to wait to really talk about it until October, but you are in the process of reading Ahsoka. I just finished Ahsoka. Did you finish it yet? No, I'm uh, I'm about halfway. Uh, yo, how would I describe it to you without explaining too much to everyone else? They are in the caves. Ah, okay, <laughs> that, that makes sense. Um, I was just curious because Ahsoka, the book, may be something that will help those who have been down on Rebels for the reuse of Clone Wars characters who are big Clone Wars fans help make that transition to some extent. So I'm very curious to see how that has an impact. Um, all right, so the second thing, we're kind of alluding to it now. I would say books and comics sort of get their own category together, although I got to say I think that it's th – the, the response to it for me is different. So – for books, I think we're getting some pretty strong books. We've got some eh ones. We've got some that are really strong. Then we got ones like Aftermath that drive me up the wall. But I mean, Life Debt was quite good, even though Aftermath wasn't so much. 
Uh, we got so that's a great one coming from Del Rey. We've got stuff like um, Bloodline coming through Del Rey, which was very, very good. We've got Lost Stars from Disney Lucasfilm Press. Disney Lucasfilm Press is uh, providing uh, a lot of sort of shorter stories to the market, like those uh, character based stories back on Force Friday. And they've been pretty solid, albeit for younger readers. Uh, I think the books from a storytelling standpoint are fairly strong. But it still doesn't feel to me like they've hit their stride. And that's because I look back and, of course, my fandom grew very much and my involvement in the community grew very much since 1992 with the Legends continuity. And in Legends, they already had filled in so much of the gaps in and around the films to the point where the you know characters, as I always say, probably didn't get a chance to use the bathroom or the refresher very often, that they were able to jump into all these unexplored eras and sort of far-flung places to tell stories that weren't necessarily about the film characters and such. Um, Tales of the Jedi, Knights of the Old Republic, uh, Legacy, stuff like that. And they were able to tell these huge, bombastic, important stories like the Thrawn trilogy, uh, like uh, the Jedi Academy trilogy, where there are these big galactic scale conflicts going on that could change the fate of everything. And these books haven't really been willing to do the big events because those seem like they're being held for the TV shows or for the films. And because they're slowly filling in stories mainly about the film characters, whether we're talking about uh, the original trilogy characters around that era or a little bit in the gap between there and The Force Awakens, that it doesn't seem to have that breadth and scope. It doesn't feel like it's as expansive of a universe yet. So they're good but I feel like they've got a ways to go before they get to what I would think of as comparable, really, to what came before. Um, the comics, I think they're one of the weakest areas right now because we've got everything from awesome artwork to outright garbage artwork, in my opinion. We've got some really cool new characters like Afra and Triple uh, Zero being uh, thrown into the mix and whatnot. But we've got stories that feel like, in some cases, they don't really feel like they're much going anywhere. Where some of these stories have been very strong, but then you're like, Hey, look, they got their first crossover! It was Vader down! Wow, that was really, really underwhelming. Wow, it's a Chewbacca miniseries! God, that was awful! It's a Lando miniseries, brother! That was okay. Hey, Princess Leia miniseries, except Leia doesn't act like Leia. She just acts like a petulant teenager. Yay. While they've had some strong storylines, some strong arcs, by and large as a whole, I feel like the Marvel comics just are not, they're not strong enough for Star Wars. They need to be stronger. Having good artwork in something like the Han Solo miniseries, if it's good artwork, but the story is completely throwaway and useless, what's the point? And it doesn't help that Marvel has already jumped the shark so many freaking times already. I mean, Vader down. Let's do a crossover and hype it up like crazy in the first couple of years. And then Vader down winds up being mostly lackluster and doesn't seem like it really changed much of anything. Um, they jumped the shark with a Sana Solo slash Sana Staros thing. Han married a black woman? Oh my god, clickbait! And it turns out to be the sitcom, you know, misunderstanding. Oh, it was just a con and she's speaking in a way that's not actually accurate BS. And of course, you can't talk Marvel and jumping the shark without going back to the first few issues of every series having tons of variant covers, including at least the first issue of the ongoing Star Wars having more than a hundred variant covers and then using those sales as, see, 
We're the best. We're the best. We're awesome. Well, yeah, of course, when you put out so many variant covers that a lot of people are buying multiples, you're going to get great sales. Um, let's let the storytelling be what somehow carries your series rather than your inflated sales numbers. So to me, Marvel is kind of the weak link when it comes to the books and comics. They need to up their game. They need to give us stories that are meaningful. They need to give us more interesting characters like Afra, Triple Zero, and such. They need to make it so the stories don't feel like generic filler. We got way too much generic filler in the era of the original trilogy back in the 80s and 70s. And to a degree, the 90s. We don't need that. That's why we didn't like stuff like Razor's Edge and Honor Among Thieves being produced for, and Star Wars Volume 2 by Brian Wood being produced for accessibility at the end of the Legends run. Give us stuff that means something along with good artwork and you're going to give us great comics but seriously right now they're just they're 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 completely hit or miss i mean they are basically a one-eyed baseball player trying to hit a homer (laughs) well those assessments are pretty spot on uh you know for me when it comes to the books i really feel like the books and, and you're you're dead on you know the lack of those big events happening is what is keeping me out of really enjoying most of the books um you know for me it is dark disciple uh lost stars those two are my shining i really enjoy those ones a lot ahsoka's turning out to be a somewhat good book i'm really enjoying it so i hope it will also land up there pretty high uh bloodline i liked bloodline it was interesting but I, I, I just I felt like it was missing something, you know, like it had all the political intrigue that bored the hell out of me in the Bantam era. But it also was new enough about where Leia was in this new canon that I was intrigued enough to follow along. And the story was good. I will give it that. You know, it, it was a well thought out story, but it's the type of adventure story that kind of bores me to tears. Um, So like it was a good story, but I was like, it wasn't great. Like, I, you know, and I think that's what I'm missing, because like for me. You know, I, I've said it before, the New Jedi Order was the one series that really drew me in that the, the fact that it felt like everything was at stake. And I feel like right now with canon being reset, everything should be at stake. Like, I, I feel like they're playing things too safe still. And I think that that's one of the things that concerns me. But at the same time, like if they get loose and reckless with it, then I'm like, are you guys paying attention? Like, are you guys got a plan here? Like, I don't want them making decisions just for, you know, uh, the flash in the pan kind of reactions from the fan base. So, like, I want big events, but I don't want big events that are based around our reactions. You know, I want Mm -hmm. the big events to be something that matters in universe. You know, I want something like when Coruscant has one of its moon destroyed and turned into a rainbow bridge. I don't want in the next book series to never have a reference to that again. You know, like that's the kind of stuff I want to see stuff building off of and touching. And I think that that's where that no second string character base is really hurting the franchise. Unless you're counting Rebels in the comics as your second string. And in that case, they really need to do more to interlace it with the first string characters that the public knows of. You know, I mean, not everyone in the public knows who Kanan is. They don't know Ezra. These names are they're like, who? So, you know, tying those together will will help. And I like the way that they've tied the Clone Wars to Rebels. But we need to do more like when we have Tarkin on where we have Lando on. You know, maybe it's time for Han Solo to come on to Rebels. You know, we need to have more of those characters. We had Leia on Rebels. That interconnectivity with rebels is one of the strongest things that rebels has going for it so you know to me i'm like you know let's pump that up 
you know, let's get Pablo into more of these meetings and, and Chi, you know, get Chi in there and more. Let them let's pick their brains a little more than what we're doing. Let's let's put Dave Filoni in charge of some comics. You know, let's put Filoni in charge of a movie. You know, like I, I want to see some of that interchangeability to see what we can get. I don't know. So I, there's that other side of it, you know, where, where you were mentioning, you know, Marvel puts out all the different covers. And, you know, I want to point out we have Star Wars fans out there that are going to buy the content regardless of whether or not the content is good, bad, happy, or sad. They just want to have it on their shelf. I, I was guilty of this through 2000 through 2007, especially. It didn't matter if it was an art set. If it said Star Wars on it, I was buying it. I had the cash. Don't talk to me. I have to take this outside of the store with me now. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I think that, that sometimes that's part of the problem because when you have groups that are focusing on numbers and cash money, you know, they start to make decisions based on that. And sometimes it's it's skewed because you've got one family with an excessive bankroll that's just financing his collection. <laughs> I am very much guilty of that. I will say, I guess, I guess two things on that. You mentioned the connectivity thing. I've been impressed a couple of times by some of the connectivity that we're seeing, where, for instance, in, oh, in Life Debt, you have the Battle of Kuat going on in the background, and then we have the Blade Squadron Kuat story that connects to it. But that's kind of the obvious connection, right? Because that's a short story and insider meant to help promote the book. But then you got something like in one of the books recently, I forget which one, there was a reference to uh, Wedge Antilles, and right when he joined the Rebellion, and having an A-Wing mission where such and such happened. I bet your money that's going to show up in Season 3 of, Clo- uh, of Rebels now that we've got Wedge showing up in Rebels. So it seems like they are working on the connectivity of references, but a lot of times you'll get the reference before the event is dramatized rather than the other way around. It's kind of like... I guess because it's animation, it takes longer for the production side. So I think of it kind of like what they say with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The whole, it's easier for the show to be, the shows to be affected by the movies than the movies to be affected by the shows because the movies take years to put together, whereas those shows are put together on a much faster pace. So they can react to the movies much faster than a movie can react to them in terms of production and actually working in the references and whatnot. Um, as to uh, just think about this from the, from the cr- chronological standpoint, I will say the other thing that's got me that, that feels very weak about the Marvel approach right now is their continuity approach. You look at the stories from the Rebels magazine in the UK that's being uh, – that actually starts out in Germany, gets printed in the UK in English, and then shows up over here with those stories being reprinted in the Rebels magazine US. You ask people like Martin Fisher who is doing most of the writing, they'll be able to tell you this story goes between these two episodes of Rebels. Very specific timeline placement. Whereas with the Marvel stuff, we haven't been given any year or month references really as far as when they're taking place. And when you ask them stuff like, well, where does Lando take place? Where the first answer was, you know, sometime between A New Hope and Empire. Yeah, that doesn't help. Or you ask them like, well, where does this annual take place? And so on. So when does the Han Solo miniseries take place? Marvel's answer is, well, in a sense, there's sort of like a present right now. And as you're reading the ongoing series, that's sort of the present for Marvel. So when a miniseries happens, it's happening around the time of that present when you could fit it into some gap in the story, which is... I guess an okay approach to some extent, except what if there's no real obvious gap in the story, as was the case with trying to find a place to put the Lando series. But moreover, as we're seeing right now, Marvel's having scheduling issues and comics are being delayed like crazy, and they're not all being delayed by the same amount. So at what point does the present no longer mean anything logical in relation to all the comics being produced? Is it the present based on when you thought they'd be released? 
that doesn't help the reader. There needs to be some detailed information being given as to when we're supposed to assume these stories take place. And it needs to be something other than vague comments Mm -hmm. by the editor of the line in interviews or on Twitter. There needs to be some type of, you know, this is where this takes place in the comics. Like, even early on, relatively early on, Dark Horse started to have that internal timeline of the comics on the inside cover of their issues. Do that, but don't do this willy-nilly, well, there's kind of a present, so Lando can kind of fit here, Chewbacca can sort of fit over here, because basically what that's saying is, if it doesn't fit, oh well, we'll shoehorn it somewhere, and when it comes to the scheduling, and it, it feels like they don't care. Yeah. That's that approach that has always worried me. The the lack of the exit strategy. UK has it down. To have that, you know, the, the where it fits, knowing that beforehand, I think that is key to not having errors down the road. Uh, you know, the whole approach, though, is classic Marvel. Uh, I think of what they did recently in the last year uh, with the whole battle world and all that, where they had Marvel come to an end. They, it was like they were propping it up. The end, the end, blah, 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 the end. And then they go to battle world and you have battle world going on. And then all of a sudden, like, they didn't even give you the last few episodes or the last few issues of that series. And they jump to the next, like, all new now Marvel. And you're like, whoa wait what's going on because like the whole universe was shattered in this last series and you haven't finished it yet now you've got everything's fixed again except for now miles morales is existing with spider-man what the hell and you had to wait till you were almost like halfway through the next series before they gave you the end of the first one it was like are you freaking kidding me like you're halfway into the next one and i still haven't finished the story that leads into this you lazy (laughs) (laughs) pretty much um I, I mean, even just give us more of the little reference boxes in the corner with the asterisks like back in the day in the original Marvel series where it's like, as seen in issue 21, as seen in Darth Vader, issue number three, enough said, give us something. Yes, um, ask, ask make, makes sense. And, and Pablo to do that, uh, you know, alone. Like, can you please just give us little boxes to put into our comics? Like, or or hire somebody else specifically to be the, the Chi and the Pablo for the comics industry. Nathan, we need to get you in on that position. You can be like, I need a box right here referencing this. I need a box right here referencing that. There we go. And I'll have to do it all in the uh, comic guy's voice from uh, Simpsons. I think you need to put it right here <laughs> and so on. Um, all right. So there's that. I would say the other category if we lump it all together, it's just sort of games. But that would mean video games and tabletop games, which would be card games, miniatures games, board games, all that kind of stuff. Uh, because I don't really focus on the other merchandising, although you may have an opinion on it. I don't because I don't look at it. But from a game standpoint, I think, again, it's kind of split. Tabletop gaming right now is very strong with one issue. Very strong. You get the miniatures games, you got Armada, you got X-Wing, you got Imperial Assault, all very good games, very strong with strong product lines, though Armada is the weaker of the three when it comes to the amount of products that are out there and the variants of it. You got these Star Wars LCG. Again, it's the type of card game where you buy force packs, you buy these expansions, but each one always has the exact same cards in it. There's no random booster pack buying BS happening, which is great for the consumer. That game is still going very strong. It just started yet another cycle with the opposition cycle that just began. You've got games like Rebellion that Fantasy Flight Games is putting out. And of course, you have the uh, the, the RPG line, which is Force and Destiny, Age of Rebellion, Edge of the Empire, with a great uh, structure to how the dice work, the narrative dice and whatnot. Good setup, uh, good products, 
solid products thus far. Um, they actually just put out a beginner game for The Force Awakens. That's not going to be a separate RPG line, but the idea was to get people into doing RPG at all with that. And then they could jump to one of the other games, even though they'd be jumping, what, three decades at least into the past to do that. So I'm kind of iffy on whether that's going to work the way it's supposed to. Very strong product lines. They do have the new game coming out soon, Star Wars Destiny, that is going to introduce the collectible aspect back in and the booster packs and crap back in into a Dyson card game, which I'm not a big fan of the CCG model, TCG model, where it's random booster packs, uh, blind packs. But relatively strong line of games. I think Star Wars, from a tabletop gaming standpoint, is probably the strongest that it's ever been. Uh, when it comes to the game mechanics of it, I do prefer the Fantasy Flight game style over even the Old West End game style. And you have all these different product lines, whereas in the past, you haven't really tended to see all of these happening at once. Or if you did, it was like the way they were trying to play it with Witches of the Coast, where you had some that were strong and some that were very, very weak overall. Um, so very strong stuff. The downside being that with games, they're basically approaching games by saying, we're going to make these authentic Star Wars experiences, but not really caring about which continuity they fall into. So like the RPG has tons of stuff from Legends, and the only stuff being treated as if it could be Legends or Mythology is the really ancient stuff like Tales of the Jedi. But then it's also got mixed in there stuff from Rebels, which is canon. And you got kind of this mixture, well, what the hell am I reading? Is this canon? Is this Legends? Well, it's not really meant to be either. Or you could say it's got elements of both. That can be confusing to people, especially when things contradict, like the background of Sullust contradicting between that and Battlefront Twilight Company. But, you know, it just kind of is what it is. I wish we were in an era when the games were thought of as an integral part of canon. Like the games were thought of as an integral part of Legends. Being able to expand on the storytelling. They don't seem to be really doing that much with the miniatures games, the card game, or the RPG. Video game-wise, I would say we're in... I think we're kind of a slump, but we're coming out of it, slowly but surely. We got the game coming from Visceral Games with Amy Hennig as part of it from Uncharted. Um, that's coming up soon, and we've got a Battlefront 2 that should be better than Battlefront 1. A new Battlefront 2, better than the new Battlefront 1, because there were already Battlefront 1 and 2. And things like that that are coming. We have one by Respawn that's coming and so on. But you look at the games right now, Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens is a really fun game. It's got relatively cheap to purchase, but solid DLC that they're producing, downloadable content add-ons that they're producing. And it's actually a fun romp. It's It's got characters actually speaking their dialogue, the original actors and actresses speaking dialogue instead of the mmm, mmm, mmm of Lego most of the time. And with the exception of sight gags every now and then, they're actually very true to the story. And they're giving us these extra new adventures as part of it, six new adventures built into the game that you unlock as you progress that give us hints as to how things played out in canon for things like the rescue of Admiral Akbar that's referenced in the Phantom Limb comic um, and things like that. Very cool way to approach it. I think the Lego games are stronger than they've ever been for Star Wars. But then you look at something like Battlefront. Very shallow game. Relatively expensive. Relatively expensive season pass. No story really to speak of. Doesn't really add to anything. Can't really be seen as in any continuity or not. Again, it's sort of that authentic experience that you know sort of starts to peter out interest-wise and then hey 
here's a new DLC. Oop, interest goes back up, and then it peters out again, and up, and I just, and that's it. Except for mobile games, and in mobile games, you do have uprising, very tedious, very repetitive, but at least it's got a story that fits within canon. But then everything else is just kind of usually the throwaway little side items there, like uh, Star Wars Commander. You know, the the background of characters that showed up in everything you need to know; those can count. But apparently, they're not going to treat either campaign as a true campaign story wise. So it feels like with gaming, there are things that are lacking for the tabletop games, but they're very strong. And the video games, while Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens is a fairly strong game, video games as a whole right now are suffering for Star Wars and really, really need some effort to improve and get it back to what we expected of Star Wars games, say, a decade or two ago. You almost wonder, though, if the lack there is because of the canon thing, you know, that the, the- Authentic Star Wars experience is probably a worse explanation than it's Lego canon. I mean, can't we just say it's end canon or flat out infinities? But I, I, I think that that's probably what's hurting it. You know, the, the aspect of, well, it's not canon, therefore it doesn't count. I don't want to play it. Uh, you know, maybe that's the mentality that's going on there. Um, you know, and you mentioned with Battlefront being shallow. That is a perfect description because I really enjoy Battlefront. But you're right. The depth is what's missing. Like skirmish. I'm getting a kick out of the skirmishes, but I'm getting nothing for doing it. My son is awesome at the skirmishes. Two deaths. 290 kills. I'm like, God, where can I, can I get the credit for this? Like, oh, it's like that would be awesome. But no, we can't. Uh, there's a lot of aspects to that game that I wish they were able to advance it with the Battlefront 2 and move forward with. I, I think about what you said with Battlefront 1 and 2 from the original Xbox. And, you know, Battlefront 2, for the most part, was a vast improvement on the first one. But it ditched the ability to lay down. And that was always something that really upset me because I loved playing Cloud City and laying down and sniping people for days up on one of the decks. It was just a really fun thing. So, like, there was always something, you know, when it moved forward, like when Lucas would give you a new version of the Blu-ray and you sitting there and you're watching a wall in front of R2 and then you look and you watch him get out of the escape pod and still has a blue lid. You're like, really? You could add that, but you still couldn't fix the one problem? Like, so I, I hope that when they move forward to Battlefront 2, they're able to deliver the, the shortfalls of it right now because otherwise it's a really fun game. It's just a matter of little things like, you know, like I'd want to play these levels with my son. Well, Skirmish just doesn't quite do it. It's close, but not quite. Uh, but yeah, that whole authentic Star Wars experience is a, a constant I come back to that and I just go back to the whole aspect of when StarWars.com did their little article on breaking canon. Why wasn't that? I don't know. I felt like that was supposed to be so freaking clear. And yet all these things where they're like, wow, it's Lego canon. Oh, it's an authentic Star Wars experience. You said in that article, if it wasn't canon, it was going to say Legends. Damn it. I just can't. I think about this. And I think about the idea of you in, in Battlefront doing the whole lay down and sniping from a specific set position. And I realized that should have been a no brainer. That that'd be something you would do because you love camping. I do. I do love camping. But <laughs> Yeah, that was a good one. That brings us into the second of the three aspects of this episode, which is the state of fandom in general. And I, I, I got to thank Hillary Clinton for something being made more public that's now been discussed on various radio shows and whatnot over the last few days because I think it gave us a good, uh, uh, a good way of looking at a certain situation. So I'm going to say, since I think mine's going to come in the form of more of a here's actual history, here's how it applies to fandom right now kind of thing and may have some ranting involved, I think I'm going to throw this one to Mark first. How do you feel the state of fandom is 
now, like the fan community and fandom just in general, where we're talking about like fans who are more casual fans versus the more hardcore fans. Um, how's fandom doing at this point? What's our what's our checkup on that? Will it be like Trump's doctor said? What, what was it that he said after meeting with Trump like for five minutes or something while sitting in a limo or something that he's it was amazingly awesome or something? <laughs> um, what do you think? What's uh, Dr. Herleman? What is the state of the patient? I think for the first time we are seeing a very divisive fandom. Um, I think with the thing of legend splitting, I think, you know, that fractured us. And then as it continued to move forward, we splintered some more. I, uh, I was recently listening to an old episode of the Star Wars report uh, back before the April 2014 announcement. In fact, it was like literally like the month before it was March. Uh, and I was still, you know, Riley was telling me to get ready. The EU was going to die. And I was like, no, you know, never say never. Uh, and, you know, but I was also saying they need to tell us soon. You know, I was like, we need we need to know now we need to, you know, if you're going to do this bandaid ripping, you need to give us time to, to, you know, get over this. And, you know, while that first impact happened, we had that first crack in the ice while we were trying to get our head wrapped around it. I think a lot of the Legends fans kind of divided even more. You know, we just continued to crumble from there. Uh, you know, we had the bring back Legends group that went more militant. Fans got angry. Uh, you know, that that back and forthness between, you know, the movie only fans, the fans that only considered the films, those six films and nothing but those six films. That's all the canon. Go blankety blank yourself. I don't care about anything but those six films like those fans would always kind of like troll the Legends fans. And like when all this went down, there was a lot of back and forth from both sides. So don't don't make it don't think that I'm, I'm leaning one way because I'm probably making it sound that way because I'm a Legends fan myself. But uh, yeah, like that back and forth really just continued to erode the ice, you know, and and the ice cracked and fractured more. And while you have all this going on, you've got sites out there, you know, like the Star Wars Report, where, where we're trying, we literally are trying to be, it's one of our, our flagship mottos. We are a unifying force in fandom. You know, we want to be a positive spin on things. And it was a difficult time, especially, you know, and we'll get into this more with our own, where, you know, when we're personally struggling with some things, trying to, to be happy about some of the changes, you know, because like, you know, the world's wide open right now, but that doesn't mean that every decision that gets made is going to be one that everyone's going to agree with. And, you know, as that moves forward and stuff, you know, you you see the reactions and sometimes you're happy to find out that you're in the majority. Uh, and then sometimes you find out, like in my case, more often than not, you are the minority. Uh, you know, like when we found out Thrawn coming back, you know, most of the fandom was pretty excited about that, but there were some people that were irritated. And I, we've always been a divided fandom, but I think that with Disney buying it and everything that's gone forward with what they've done with Legends and the continuing choice to not publish any more books even though they've got authentic Star Wars experience where we've got Legends things going on and we've got games that are set in Legends still going on, I, I think that that has, has just left us in a point where I don't think the fandom will ever recover to the point it was. Uh, but then again, at the same time, we've always been device, divisive, so I don't I don't think that it was ever a hand-in-hand -hand kumbaya singing experience with our fandom. So I, I don't feel like, even though it's it's always been device, divisive, I don't feel like we're in a better place. I, I feel like we are definitely like we've been against the ropes for like 15 rings and we're just circling the point of just falling down. But we're Rocky Balboa. We're not going to do it. We're going to continue. We're going to fight. We're going to go and we're going to take it to the end. But, you know, it, it just might not be a trophy or a title at the end of this fight. So I think that's the thing Phantom needs to realize is that, you know, we're not really fighting with each other. We 
we're just fighting with the state of mind. All right. So and and I understand, please, that even though this podcast is on StarWarsReport.com, these are our own opinions. And while, <laughs> while Star Wars Report tries to be the, the sort of big tent unifying a fandom, I just kind of tell it like it is. And I got to say that I think that, that to an extent Mark hit it on the head there. And that is that fandom underneath it all is probably fractured beyond repair at this point. I think fandom in general to the outside world, looking at Star Wars fandom, Star Wars fandom is going great because so many new people are being brought in. And let's be honest here, whether we're talking Ahsoka or Rey, we now have strong female characters that are strong without the, well, at least in Rey's case, without the over-sexualization and in Rey's case on the big screen. And we're seeing girls being brought into fandom at a much larger rate without feeling as though they're going to be looked down upon by male fans and whatnot. You have a more diverse cast, which is making it cooler to be a Star Wars fan if you're not just a white person. Um, which has never been a requirement to be a Star Wars fan. But when people picture a Star Wars fan, they usually think, oh, it's that white male geek. That mold is being broken. And these new films are a big part of that. And it seems like there's a bigger tent for Star Wars than there's ever been before. But inside that tent, you have people stabbing each other in the spleen. Inside the tent, there are areas in which fandom is more fractured than it ever has been before, probably beyond repair. I think in Star Wars gaming, there's not a lot of of splits uh you do have some split over the films and over whether rebels should exist or not mainly with the rebels it's the people who wanted the clone wars to continue in the case of the films there's the whether it's just the remake of a new hope kind of stuff going on so people who are just sort of a you know lucas should be the only one making star wars films uh, in fact going on change.org which is about petitioning the government for government-related things, morons. Petitioning on change.org, George Lucas must come back to Star Wars kind of stuff. Not really understanding how that works, that he chose to retire. Um, You can't draft a movie maker back to make more movies. Doesn't work like that. All and told, that's how we do it in Scouts. It just, so, so there's those kinds of fractures, but the biggest fracture is the one that Mark mentioned, which is the whole canon legends thing. You have people who at one point hated legends and now are getting into the canon or hated legends now hate canon. You have people who are able to like and enjoy both like Mark and I, even though there's definitely one we prefer. I think Mark and I both prefer legends because of its depth and scope, but we're allowing the new canon to sort of have a chance to grow on us because we just enjoy Star Wars in general. So we're trying to enjoy the new continuity too. But you also have that that faction that basically says Disney sucks. We hate Disney. Bring back Legends. But I would like to divide it even more here because I think Bring Back Legends, or as Mark put it, Continue Legends, this is a group that I would love to associate myself with. I would love to be able to say that I am a Bring Back Legends guy. I am a Continue Legends guy. I love the Legends continuity. I followed it for years on the Star Wars timeline gold. I still am with the bits and pieces that trickle out with other sources. And, you know, I want to see it grow, even if it's a long side canon as a secondary thing, I don't want to see it gone completely. I would be right there with them. But there is an extremist, militant, in essence, faction within that that is a Disney sucks. We want to see them go out of business. F you if you read anything or enjoy anything that has anything to do with Disney, who are attacking anyone 
who is able to enjoy both or enjoy canon. In my case, I get attacked by one of the the bigger, in theory, they're all relatively small minorities, but groups out there that is pro-legends basically misinterpreting and, and twisting a bunch of stuff that I've said and attacking me for daring to like the new canon and tell people that they don't get to choose what Disney officially considers canon or not, even though they can enjoy both. Um, they don't get to, people don't get to decide what the official policy is. And doing that in the face of Disney telling me that this thing that I worked on for nearly 20 years is garbage or worthless or whatever. You have this, this, this hefty side. There is a, there is a guy, I think it's just one guy, uh, on YouTube who, among other things, has said that he wants to kill, and he's not speaking hyperbolically, to kill anyone who supports Disney and its canon over Legends and is against Legends coming back. There's an extremist faction within this, attacking and harassing websites, uh, harassing people at conventions, trying to spoil new films at conventions by yelling out spoilers because they're annoyed that the new films exist at all and are overriding a continuity that they followed. Extremist stuff. And this is where I think Hillary Clinton helped this week. Because I never quite knew how to refer to that faction. Aside from calling them (laughs) I wasn't sure what to call them. I think I just gave Michael one of his first bleeps for us. Um, there's this, this thing going into history teacher mode now. Back in the 1960s, the conservative movement in the U.S., the, the American right, the Republicans generally, but the American right was plagued by the fact that even as on the Democrat side, you had reasonable Democrats, and then you had people who were flat out socialist, flat out communist, and Southern Democrats who were very racist, who were against civil rights legislation and whatnot, kind of the far extreme. The right had their own. The right was pushing the civil rights legislation. Uh, It gets signed by Democratic presidents. It gets pushed by Republicans in Congress. And there is a faction within the Republican Party that basically is made up of the KKK, white supremacists, the the beginnings of what we refer to as sort of neo-Nazi movements, white nationalists, people who want America for Americans, but they only define Americans as white people, white Christian people usually, and anybody who's of a different race, of a different religion, whatever, needs to go away, needs to be gone, or needs to die, etc., etc. And the conservative movement under William F. Buckley sort of excised that from what was thought of as mainstream conservatism. They were sort of their own extremist faction into themselves, and conservatism took on a more moderate approach and a more rational approach that accounted for like 99% of people who called themselves part of the right in the first place. And the same kind of thing happened without actually calling it that really on the left, right? The Democrats, about 99% of Democrats are going to be rational Democrats who just happen to prefer uh, left of center solutions. And there are those extremists, the communists, the socialists, et cetera, et cetera, who are thought of as, well, they're on the left, but they're not really Democrats. They're kind of their own thing. And usually they have their own parties in the U.S., albeit tiny parties. But now what's happening is after decades of sort of the mainstream versions of both parties being dominant, we see with Trump running for president, there are members of that far extreme KKK members, white supremacists and such, coming out of the woodwork, actively, verbally, vocally supporting Trump. 99% of Trump supporters, I would say, rational people who just happen to support Trump. I'm not sure how those two go together, but that's just because I don't particularly support him or Hillary. I kind of think a pox on both their houses at this point. But that 
small percent, if they're coming out and being politically active at all, they're supporting Trump rather than supporting Clinton. And the name for this, apparently, I had never heard of it before, um, is the alt-right. They are not the regular right. They are like this alternative version on the extreme of the right-hand side of American politics who are all of these hateful things, uh, who are also big totalitarianist kind of guys. So I'm not sure how that really fits right or conservative. But the alt-right, they are the dark side of that extreme. And Clinton gave a speech about it the other day. Because she gave a speech about it, the term became more sort of well-known. And now you got people in the media on both sides of the political spectrum talking about the alt-right and, you know, what's going on. And one of the points being made by a lot of the conservative commentators, whether we're talking about Glenn Beck or Eric Erickson, is you got to make sure if you're on the right, if you are a conservative, you do not just sit back and watch this. You must make it clear that these people do not represent you, that there are conservatives and the alt-right, and they are two separate things. Otherwise, you start getting tarred with that brush. Uh, It's such a bad and such an extreme division that Clinton went out and gave the speech that called out and said, these people are not conservatives. The alt-right is something different. They are not what conservatives in mainstream America stands for. And that's Clinton. She actually got crap from her own party because they were actually wanting to paint conservatives in a lot of elections as the racists. And here's Clinton out there saying, no, these aren't the racists. The racists are that extreme, the alt-right. That's not mainstream conservatives. That's not who these people are, but you got to distance yourself. And I kind of feel like, in essence, that's what we're dealing with with the Bring Back Legends community. The Bring Back Legends movement is a movement that simply prefers the Legends continuity, wants to see it continue, even if it's alongside canon, just doesn't want to give up that thing that they loved, and that's perfectly fine. They want to do things like the billboards and whatnot to try to get attention, or donate Legends books at, at hospitals and libraries and such to expand the love of legends. All great stuff. They want to go out there and purport their view and their preference and try to argue logically, intellectually, honestly, of why legends should be better than canon or is considered better than canon in their eyes. All perfectly fine. But then you've got that extreme side that does all the crazy stuff And that's what winds up causing people to want to distance themselves, like me, to distance themselves from that movement saying they do not represent me. Even though 99% of them do represent the view that I have, they don't represent me because of that 1% that's out there being insane. So I would argue we need new terminology. That in fandom we have, you know, there's the, the Disney side, the canon side, whatever. But on the Bring Back Legends side, we have Bring Back Legends or Continue Legends or whatever you want to call it. And then we have the Alt Legends side much like the alt-right, the hateful side, the go-to-hell-if-you-like-anything-Disney, the I-want-to-kill-you-if-you-don't-support-bringing-back-legends side, the we're-going-to-go-out-and-try-to-attack-websites-and-people-who-disagree-with-us-and-try-to-tear-them-down-force-them-out-of-the-public-eye-or-otherwise-get-rid-of-them. I had somebody tell me they wanted to come to my house and beat the hell out of me because I dared to like both continuities. What? And for what it's worth, by the way, please do, because I've now added to my bucket list for life beating someone to death who tries to invade my home. That is now on my bucket list. Please do it. There is an alt-legends movement that must be considered separate from the regular Bring Back Legends movement. Must be. These have to be two different things. I am with the Bring Back Legends movement. I love what you guys are trying to do in a peaceful way good way. But those in the alt-legends need to be clearly spoken out against by the Bring Back Legends movement, or you are going to face the same thing conservatives face now in the election of being painted with the same brush as the alt-right movement. You must 
demonstrably denounce those people. And that's where you start to heal fandom to a degree. You're never going to get rid of the crazies, but you got to make sure that the crazies aren't the mainstream or being allowed to be thought of as the mainstream, or you're just going to see more hatred and more division continue. Well, see, and one thing that also goes into play with that that kind of sucks is like, so I did the continue legends. That was that was my thing. I started doing the hashtag continue legends. You know, just do the hashtag. That's your peaceful protest kind of thing. And, you know, when last year's Dragon Con stuff happened, you know, some people were harassed and those people pointed out the bring back legends people, but also use the continue legends. And I tried to point out that, you know, hey, that's not the same group. And immediately I was lumped right in. I was like, oh, great. So I, I was I was literally at not even at the event, but I was having to defend my own self because of it. And I'm like, well, you know, it immediately became one of those, well, not everyone. And then, of course, you know, jump on that. Well, not everyone. I was like, whoa, hey. Wasn't that when you were told to police your community or something like that? Yeah, I was. And and that was where it was really difficult because it's like, you know, you want to be an upspoken thing. You want to see your legends continue. And, and what was really the thing that, that felt like a stab in my own back was the person saying this was a fellow legends fan. You know, somebody that I got along with really well. I was really blown away. I mean, and I I was hurting for him to find out, you know, that he was harassed in the first place. You know, I, that's BS effed up material on our fandom to do that kind of horse. Uh, so, so there was that side of it but then yeah continue legends got drugged down in the muck with it and there was nothing i could do i couldn't say anything about it because what am i i'm a tiny minority inside a tiny minority trying to be positive yeah i mean i get what you're saying but at the same time it's, it's really hard when the other side is more than happy to splash mud on everybody to say hey look at all those pigs walling in the shit man we're sorry michael <laughs> We're just giving him all kinds of things to bleep. Um, yeah, I mean, it's and you see this and I think this is more reflective of society than it is of Star Wars fandom in general. I mean, you see this now. I mean, I give you the sort of the political analogy, but we're more divided than we've ever been. Uh, it seems like at least in American society. And I don't know how you fix it. I would argue that all you really can do is focus on your little corner and the people you interact with and try your best where you can have a positive influence to try to fix things there and maybe there'll be a ripple effect. But I don't know how you get away from the mess that both society to an ex- to an extent uh, and fandom has gotten itself into. Thankfully, a lot of the new blood that's coming into fandom thanks to the new films and whatnot don't care. They don't see this kind of stuff happening. And it is a relatively small faction. Bring Back Legends, It's I don't think it's the majority of Star Wars fans. Though it may be the majority of Legends readers who would like to see it back, just who aren't actively involved in it. Kind of like that silent majority that... Trump claims wants to vote for him, um, but aren't willing to say so. Probably because of those extremes, just like the extremes in in the Bring Back Legends or side or the alt Legends side that sort of should be considered separate from Bring Back Legends. But while there may be a large amount of people, it's not the majority of Star Wars fans in general. And when you get down to these extremist groups, they tend to be either one or two people or they're small groups of people that look bigger than they are. Uh, As Michael Morris has kindly pointed out to me a few times, when you look at a lot of the bigger organizing groups on that extreme, they tend to be groups under different names run by the exact same people. Uh, it'd be like if if somebody wanted to create a race war in the United States and they were running the KKK and they were running the Black Panthers and trying to cause them to run into each other. Uh, although in that case, it'd be about confrontation rather than working together um, to cause societal chaos. Uh, it's very much sort of, in a sense, there are Sith Lords behind the scenes manipulating things, so to speak. 
the same people, like the guy who runs the group that attacked me, one of the groups that attacked me, uh, runs at least two other groups. And there is never anywhere within those groups to say that this is run by this same person. It's treated as if this must be a separate group. And if you look at the membership of the groups, and in this case, Facebook's where you would usually do that, assuming it's not a closed group. A lot of these are closed groups who will get rid of anybody who disagrees with them. My thing on the Star Wars Timeline Gold page is basically, look, if you're being intellectually dishonest, we try to set you straight and you're still spouting BS and trying to mislead people when you know what the truth actually is, then eventually we'll get to the point where I've got to ban that person because this needs to be a place for productive discussion, intellectually honest discussion, rather than people spouting false information constantly and confusing the issue for people who come looking for answers or looking for uh, answers to their questions about continuity and all. But I mean, we're talking places where, you know, if you express a like for something that they don't like, you're banned immediately, you're gone, and it's a closed group to begin with. Um, But there are relatively small numbers because if you look at those groups in the membership, there's a lot of overlap. Like a person who wants to see Legends come back and is willing to go to extremes to do it rather than be rational about it, uh, an alt-Legends type of person, they're probably going to belong to several of those groups. So when they say, you know, well, we've got, just throwing some numbers, made up numbers here, let's say they've got a hundred groups and they're going to claim that each of these groups has a thousand people in it. Wow, man, you got a hundred thousand people? Well, no, not really, because if you look at it, at least half of each group is overlapping who's already counted as part of another group. So if you're talking individuals, it's way, way smaller than that. But you've got enough groups out there with overlapping membership that if you're just looking at group membership numbers for each in a vacuum without context, it looks much bigger than it is. It's kind of like what happens with almost anything now. Oh my gosh, there's outrage. We're going to boycott. What was it? We're going to boycott. Uh, was it boycott the Force Awakens because there's a black stormtrooper? Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. There was like a handful of people. But because of social media, it expanded to this point where all kinds of websites were reporting on it. And it really wasn't nearly as big as it was. It was a few jerk offs who just, uh, you know, spouted it out their mouths and the media needed something to report on at the time so it became part of the social media news cycle kind of thing that's what happened was mm-hmm. three people made it trend on twitter because of and it wasn't even their comments it was the reactions to their comments that made it trend yeah so i mean you just it's a small group but we have to be clear that that small group does not represent all of those who want to see legends continue or all of fans or all of uh, of sci-fi fandom in general just as we need in society to recognize that fringes may be loud. They may be the ones getting the grease because they're the squeaky wheels or getting the grease fire going, so to speak. But no, they don't represent society in general. The majority of people are moderate. The majority of people are rational, normal people, even if they're not necessarily as up to speed on things as they might like to be or as we might like them to be. That if you bring them up to speed on things, they're going to be rational. That there's something, something is rotten in the state of fandoms, so to speak. And I don't know how you fix it. And I feel like this is a more virulent, violent, irrational kind of group. Yeah, not bring back legends, but the alt legends, the extremist people who want to tear other people down, hurt people destroy companies etc it seems like that's beyond anything we've really seen in fandom before with the exception of the death threats to ra salvatore over the death of chewbacca i don't know that we have ever seen anything this vile in fandom before and it needs to be something that is called out and distanced from but i don't know that it is something that could heal this may be a dead limb where the only option to save the body 
is to go through and just chop that hand right off. You know, I think the Chewbacca, uh, the death threats when they killed Chewie, I think that is probably the closest I can think of in all of fandom to one of the worst, ugliest moments in our fandom. Uh, and I and I think our reactions moving forward in the two years since uh, the Legends Divide is is right there with it, man. We've just we've it's brought out the worst in us. It sure as heck has not brought out the best in us. Which brings us, I guess. To the last of the three pieces of our topic, which is the state of our own fandom. And I would say just because of everything I just talked about a moment ago for state of fandom in general, my fandom, the state of it really depends on when you ask me. And it depends on what context you ask me in. Am I a Star Wars fan still? Yes. Am I strongly a Star Wars fan? Yes. Uh, Are the new movies and Rebels uh, and the, the possibility of who knows what going on in the new canon because it's all kind of a fresh playing field. Uh, are they they exciting me as a fan? Yes. And so is my collecting that's going on. Like as I'm collecting more for from the Star Wars home video library and I'm doing episodes on those, loving it, enjoying it. The interaction in that case is great. Getting a chance to talk video games, something I'm not expected to be an expert in. I just know a bit about but not expected to be an expert in. I can just sit there and kind of shoot the S word, so to speak, so that Michael doesn't have another one to bleep, um, with Michael about gaming for an hour or so every week or two, and that's it. Has really kept me going as far as being interested in the games and whatnot and just kind of having a chance to, to talk about stuff, especially when this series was essentially on a hiatus unintentionally. So in that sense, I feel like my fandom is still pretty strong. Uh, I'm working on the timeline like crazy right now because I want to get the next edition of the Star Wars Timeline Gold out, StarWarsFanWars.com slash timeline, of course, uh, on October 17th, its 19th anniversary, because at that point it will have crossed the 3,000 page mark across the five different documents, and I've already got Ahsoka summarized on it from the ARC, uh, the Uncorrected Proofs copy, the review copy, so that it can be there and it comes out on the 11th of October, so why not wait a few days and just kind of let it go then? Um, I've been working on it like crazy and enjoying getting back back into sort of the nitty-gritty chronological work. But the area of my fandom that has been the focus for years has been the books, the comics, the continuity, the broader storytelling beyond the films. And because of what I'm seeing in fandom, because of my interactions or the one-way interactions of being blasted at times over you know, twisting of stuff or people just being on that alt legend side and just kind of spouting their BS and their threats. I will say that I feel like my enthusiasm for that community, for the community around the books and comics, which in essence is also the audience of this show, albeit the audience of this show is sort of a, I would like to think a more positive part of that that you know, we've interacted with more. But in general, that giant community out there, my enthusiasm with interacting has waned. A lot. Because you can't talk certain topics without somebody showing up and being a douche. And and, and it becomes a minefield of walking on eggshells to try to talk about certain topics without people getting irate. Just like it is talking politics or anything else online at this point. And like we've got I mean I I've only in the entire time that there's been a Facebook page or a board or anything like that for the Star Wars Timeline Gold, I've only ever and I finally went back and counted, um had to ban like five people ever. But they've all been within about the last year, year and a half. And there was a guy I used actually as an example when I did an episode of my vlog on YouTube that was about intellectual honesty and discussion about, you know, what to do with this this stuff that's going on. And it's where I answered a lot of the attacks that are being made by the first of those groups. 
I, I use him as an example saying, you know, this is somebody who will constantly spout BS and wrong, false information about what counted as canon, when it was, were the Legends books ever canon on par with the films, and they'll just be arguing stuff that is flat out wrong, cherry picking their quotes so that, you know, maybe there's a quote that's a paragraph long, they pick out the one line that supports their case, but if you look at the context of the quote with the other stuff around it, or the context in which the conversation was happening, it obviously means something different, and probably is the opposite of the point they're trying to make. Uh, and this person would be someone who would argue those points until finally I've given them all the evidence to basically say, you know, no, what you're saying is BS, and they'd finally just usually stop with a, oh, well, well, I, I know all that, I just, I just don't like the way it is now, and I want to speak out against it. I'm like, okay, well, that's honest. The BS you were spouting before was not. Uh, and that was getting to me. I eventually, this guy hit a point where he crossed that line again and just kept going. He gave like, here's my two or three quotes that say that Lucas always considered the books canon just like his films. I'm like, okay, well, here's eight that say that's bull. Uh, and here's the context the ones you just gave that show that you're full of crap and cherry picking this because the whole quote doesn't actually fit the point you're trying to make. And after going back and forth on that for a while, he then starts delving into the same BS accusations made by that Facebook group that I answered on the vlog. The, well, you're just a show for Disney. Disney just paying you to do this kind of crap, right? And going on and on into that. And I'm like, you know what? We're done. And I finally had to ban the idiot. And what does he do? First thing he does is jump over on the timelines page and start posting on the Star Wars Beyond the Films page. And we don't have that type of policy at this point. I'm not going to ban somebody from that page. The problem is that with that and other things that come out of that, I realize it is poisonous to my fandom to engage in those conversations anymore because it's like talking to a brick wall. I actually thought about doing a vlog that was nothing but here's a bunch of quotes from all kinds of people in Lucasfilm and Lucas and all these. Here's the quotes that prove certain things in the canon legends discussion so that we can have an honest discussion, an intellectually honest discussion. And I realize that there's no point in doing an episode like that because those who actually care about the truth, who care about reality, who care about being intellectually honest, they already know these things or can be told once and they know these things. The people that I was trying to convince, the people I try to convince in those conversations on Facebook are people who are, maybe they're not far off on that alt legends fringe, but they're pretty close and they don't care about the truth. They don't care about what's real. They don't care about what was accurate in the past. They don't care about actually backing up their supposed facts with actual information. It's that feeling thing. I feel this. I don't like this. Therefore, anything that I say that supports this opinion of mine must be true, not because it's valid as a fact, but because it's it validates my feelings and all of this stuff. It's like the statistics that are out there about how the economy is growing in the United States. It's growing at an anemic rate, but it is growing. But you have people out there saying the economy continues to decline. Our GDP continues to fall. And you're like, but it's not I'm like, well, people feel like it is. It's still not. <laughs> well, you had the guy that goes on the uh, the guy just recently that, that became a, a, a social media sensation. He was a representative of the Trump campaign, goes on CNN. And this is after Trump fired several people in the campaign and brought in some new people and whatnot. And they basically said, uh, oh, God, what was it? it was like, uh, so you don't want to call this a shakeup, but. Since you're, you do seem to be down in the polls, or you seem to be down, you then, and doesn't even get something, the guy says, says who? The polls. Which polls? The polls. Most of them? All of them? Oh, okay. Keep going. And you're like, you know you're down! <laughs> you, you look at the same numbers! The, the facts are facts, but not to these people. And... 
if you try preaching to that group, you're going to have people around you who are like, yeah, you're right. You know, these people are nuts. You know, you're sort of preaching to the choir in that sense as sort of the audience. But the people you're trying to reach aren't going to be reached. It's just going to continue to frustrate you, continue to make fandom and this hobby a negative thing for you. And I realized I was constantly, by engaging in those conversations, I was basically willingly taking fandom poison constantly. And I'm not doing it anymore. So from an engagement standpoint, I try to avoid those. But that means that, honestly, I barely ever post on the Star Wars Beyond the Films Facebook page anymore. Not because those conversations happen often, but I don't want to find myself pulled into one. And if I'm regularly posting, I will feel like I have a need to jump into one of those. It takes a lot for me to be in one of those and finally say, you know what? This person is an idiot. It's like talking to a brick wall. I don't feel like banging my head against that wall anymore. I'm done. I need to be able to say I'm done before I engage in the first place. You know, you you don't keep the peace by getting into a war and then making a treaty. You keep the peace by not getting into the war in the first damn place. So while my fandom in general for Star Wars is still strong and is loving a lot of the stuff that's happening right now, my fandom community enthusiasm is hampered as is my my participation and you know this better than anyone because and i'll drop this bombshell i have multiple times both talking to uh to michael from cloud city casino and to mark suggested that maybe beyond the films needs to go on a real hiatus maybe the show just needs to end because i am not sure how much i want to engage with that community anymore and unfortunately the darker side of that community winds up being part of the broader community and i know we're going to get crap for this episode because of the alt legends thing and me actually talking about some of the crap that's been pulled in my direction i know we're going to get hit by it but because of that there's a part of me that that says you don't shut up in the face of that sort of thing because that's backing down and that's just letting the 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 win well okay but there's also the moment where you say you know what this is poison and this is dragging down my day and i've got real life stuff to deal with i've got real life stuff to be concerned about instead of stressing about what some idiot sitting behind a keyboard somewhere jerking off to i don't know darth talon while their mom's upstairs baking cookies for them thinks about me and my opinions and whether or not they have a desire to kill me because they're a closed-minded There will come a point where I may have to step away. And the fact that I haven't yet is a testament to Mark because of how much I enjoy just talking Star Wars with Mark and the community behind this show, the positive people in the community um, who've been waiting and waiting for the show to come back and have constantly been sending their positive comments telling me, you know, ignore the idiots. But yeah, my 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 fandom, I would say if it was on a scale of one to 10 in terms of if you had to combine the enjoyment of Star Wars and combine it with the enjoyment of the community as one thing. Hell, I'm at like a four. Mm. Yeah, I, I've been uh, missing these chats, too. Uh, that was one of the things that's been kind of bringing me down in a different direction. Um, you know, I you guys all know we, we're the huge Legend fan. I mean, I've named all my kids after Legends characters. I am still to this day wrapping my head around the reality of that. Uh, so, you know, I get the anger from the legends community i mean i'm angry that they're not putting out at least one book a year too like i i want that i still want that that wants not going away and that's a confliction for me because i do enjoy the new canon stuff i want to enjoy them both and because i can't enjoy them both i'm not happy i and i i don't think i will be happy i'm sitting down in a uh, you know a mausoleum for legends you know i mean i've got so many figures that are strictly legends only and while rebels is giving us characters like thrawn coming over which excites me because it does seem like disney is interested 
interested in those EU characters after all. You know, I, I'm just on that back and forth with, you know, will I ever see it? And then there's the aspect of, you know, like you've got the KOTOR games and stuff and you got fans that want to see KOTOR turned into canon. And it's like, to me, I'm like, that's just, that argument's one more argument against getting Legends to continue in general. You know, just accept the fact that it's Legends and, and help us bring Legends back to books and stuff, you know, keep it going. Uh, but but yeah, there's that angle that, that you know, when I talk with Riley on, on the Star Wars report, we don't talk much about the books and the comics, uh, you know, so I really miss that. Um, but then on top of it all, like, we were kind of focusing on the new canon stuff, and like, I'm really missing talking about Legends and getting back to that. And, you know, the big focus has felt like we're just back and forth talking about how crappy it is that Legends is not the EU anymore. And, you know, I, I feel like it's such a broken record that that sometimes I just feel like I need to tell myself just to shut up, you know. Uh, and then we, you know, you see those great little reviews and stuff on iTunes, which of course typically are, are the negative ones talking about how we're just rambling and we don't know what we're talking about anyway. And yeah, it's easy to fall into that that slump of, well, maybe it's best to just keep my mouth shut kind of thing and not talk about it. But like I said, I'm still on Star Wars Report. I'm, I'm continuing to talk about Star Wars, but I'm not talking about the books and comics. And that's, that's just something like, you know, for me, that's my bread and butter that's what i really get a kick out of and and honestly like i've always got a kick out of doing the show with you nate you know i mean you were always the fan that made it on the forum boards back when uh, the vips were in uh, red or no they're purple yeah you were a purple printed name the nathan people <laughs> oh yeah i forgot about that honestly you know like they always say like don't ever contact us to get a book we'll contact you and it was like well well nate's the guy like he he's the one guy that made it from the from the pages to the pros like holy cow so to, to always be able to sitting down and talk with Nathan P. Butler has always been one of those things for me. Like, I always got a kick out of that. To, to find out that, you know, when, when we were talking about launching the show and the EU review was coming to an end, because I remember I came on to the EU cast when but, when uh, Loopy joined you, and I was like, I should be doing that show, man. That's the show I should be doing. You know, and then when Nathan was like, or uh, Nathan, when Riley was like, Nathan's, uh, you know, he's talking about doing another show, and, you know, you you and him should probably do something. I was like, dude, we got to make this happen. You know, so, you know, when, when, when you were having your crisis of faith, like I, I know there were times where I was worried like oh crap I hope I'm not being intellectually dishonest and I'm not driving Nate away because I can't accept the fact that Legends is dead <laughs> you know, like there are times where I'm like man I hope I hope it's not me well well Mark Mark have you threatened to ruin any businesses or kill anyone this is a negative no, no. okay then you're fine sweet uh yeah well and so you know you know i knew you were having that crisis of faith and i was having my own uh you know every time i was getting a book i wasn't you know i think bloodlines was one for me like everybody was like yeah bloodlines so awesome and i was like it's a good story i i i read i read it twice and i listened to it about 13 times uh you know so like the ins and outs of that book like i've got it uh but i just it didn't feel like heir to the empire or you know it didn't just jump out It, it told a good story but it just so i like i was feeling like a little off like you know like I'm enjoying this, but it's just not quite as good as I want it to be. And there's a part of me that keeps feeling like, well, maybe it's just that aspect of the fact that legend still isn't going. Like if that was, if, if I got one book a year, maybe that'd be enough where I could finally be like, I'm happy with everything. I'm totally cool with it all. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, like, I feel like I'm just waiting for that other shoe in almost every aspect. I mean, you know, you got a show like Freemaker, you know, Lego Freemaker. I'm like, how does that fit into canon? <laughs> what do they mean by authentic Star Wars experience? You know, what does that mean? Like, I am still confused by a lot of things and how the interpretation of that can go because I'm used to a world where canon has always been flexible and canon is a word that shouldn't be flexible. It's supposed to be concrete, foundation, bedrock, and yet Star Wars is talking 
taught me that's not the case. So Star Wars in general has left me kind of convoluted, kind of messed up. Like it's it's difficult to take things in because I'm constantly unlearning what I've learned. Damn it, George, and your Lucasisms. So, you know, there's sometimes where I felt like I've been broken. So, you know, I, I've seen you with your conflict there and I, I've, I've worried about, you know, where where the show is going to go. I've always, you know, like I said, I want to get us back into the boat. I want to start talking about some of the legend stuff again, talk about some of the canon stuff. I, you know, th- there's, we talked about, you know, comparing some of the newer stuff of the new canon to how its counterparts and legends were and things like that. And we're almost to a point where we can actually start to get into those kind of conversations. But I don't know, like, I feel like we got to get back to the basics, you know, get back to talking some comics and some of the the EU books that, that we loved, you know, bring the love back into the show. You know, I, I feel like we're talking about things that we, we do care about still. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, like we really love our legends, you know, we love canon, but right now it's not the same kind of love. It's more like, a, well, you know, she's, she's she's nice and she seems to work out, you know, like she might turn out to be our wife down the road. But right now we're still kind of on the fence. We're not sure about it. We haven't fallen in love. We're just kind of like, well, you know, we love the idea of having a girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's just the way my brain's working with this. And hopefully as we go forward, I mean, this kind of episode is is really we designed it to be able to sort of take stock of things, to sort of be a new jumping off point as we get back into things. And part of having this episode the way that it is, is that it lets us sort of vent, which hopefully means that as we go forward and we start talking about the specific stories and whatnot, there won't be a need to go back into, you know, what's going on in fandom? What's going on over here? How crazy is this extreme? Death threats? What? And, and no, not a death threat on my end. It was a threat of violence. The threat of death was the dude on YouTube to somebody. Uh, I think it was to just kind of people in general. But uh, I think it's stuff that we needed to talk about um, because it's you only sort of are able to sort of decompress and be like, and get back into the swing of things once that weight is, if not off your shoulders, but perhaps somewhat off and shared to be able to kind of get back into things. Um, so hopefully, for instance, coining that term alt-legends will be something that in the future, if we do have to reference that faction out there, we can simply use the term and not have to spend time on a whole tear about it. Uh, uh, Mark and I were talking ahead of time. We knew that this this episode would have at least a couple of rants that I would have to give. And <laughs> we were talking before the show. I mentioned, I asked him if he knew if he knew what the alt-right was so that we could, because I was going to mention the whole alt-legends term. And he was like, huh? So I was like, yes, so we even get a political lesson. Hopefully less political lessons, less rants, at least on the state of things in the future, but it needed to be out there. And we needed to at least let people know kind of where we are because when this show started, I think we were both in very different mindsets because when this show started, Legends was it. There were no new films coming. Clone Wars was still going. So when the show started, everything was kind of at a a calm level. You liked it or you didn't like it, sure, but it was at a calm level. And that was reflected in a lot of ways in our fandom and how we address things. And then as things have changed, we try to keep up with that change and be voices of reason for the change and the things that were happening. But, you know, sometimes you just got to kind of decompress so that you can you can let people know where you are compared to where you've been. Yeah, so, you know, if you guys want to help lighten our moods, go out there and leave us a positive review on iTunes or hit us with a hashtag alt legends tweet or something like that to support us. You know, let us know that, you know, you're listening to the show still. You want some more stuff. You think we're on the right path. Uh, you know, we kind of need a little uplifting, I guess, right about now. You know, not not the best way to celebrate 200 episodes. I mean, which we haven't really taken a moment to talk about that. 200 episodes. Like, holy cow. Star Wars Beyond the Films has made 
made it to 200 episodes. Wow. I just, wow. I mean, I don't know. When we kicked the show off, I honestly, I wasn't expecting 200 episodes. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it just seems, it seems like just yesterday we started this show and it seems like just yesterday we went on hiatus. So maybe I just have no concept of time. Well, just help celebrate 200 episodes. Agreed. Yeah, this is 200 episodes is 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 huge. Uh, I don't know that any of the podcasts I've been involved with previously have hit 200 episodes, at least not hosting. I know that uh, Republic Forces Radio Network went for a while, but I wasn't with them for the whole time. Yeah, 200 is 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 big. And I'm I'm reeling from that at the same time. I'm reeling on the timeline stuff, right? Because last year when it was its 18th anniversary, that marked half of my life spent working on the Star Wars Timeline Project slash Star Wars Timeline Gold stuff. And then now, this year, 19th anniversary, 19 is not a big thing, but it's the passing 3,000 pages mark. And then next year is the 20th anniversary of the timeline. So it's kind of like I'm sitting back going, holy crap. And my my YouTube channel, we just passed uh, 2,500 subscribers nice. to the YouTube channel. We passed a little while ago, passed the 600,000 uh, views mark, um, which, you know, grand scheme of things for YouTube, it's not anywhere compared to the big YouTube. But for a guy who's just sitting in a chair, usually talking Star Wars stuff and holding stuff up to the camera from time to time, like the uh, Japanese Ewok Laserdisc that just came to my door. Wow. You know, I mean, that that's that's some big numbers. So it, it's nice to see that even if we are wavering at times, hopefully, I guess the audience isn't. Or maybe maybe it's that sh <laughs> maybe in essence, we and the audience are in like a shared therapy session. <laughs> so when we talk about things are like, mm hmm, mm hmm, I feel better now because I have the catharsis of knowing I'm not alone with that. It reminds me of. Back in, gosh, and it's been years ago, um, there was what was called the 912 Project, which was essentially the idea of America. And it's still a valid idea that America needs to get back to sort of where we were on September 12th of 2001. We stopped with the with the partisan bickering. We stopped with all the BS. We stopped with the divisiveness. And in the wake of the September 11th terrorist attack, we came together in a way that we never really had before. And that's sort of the mindset we need to be back to to try to help heal society. As a precursor to that, there was a movement, uh, there was a, a thought process leading into the 912 project that uh, radio host Glenn Beck and TV host at the time, Glenn Beck, was putting forward called We Surround Them. Uh, the idea that, sorry, you're not alone. The fringes that are loud, those are not actually the majority. They don't surround us from all sides, even if you feel besieged by those mentalities, that in truth, there are many more of us than that small, vocal, angry minority we surround them. And I think sometimes it is very reaffirming for someone to watch a video, listen to a podcast, and find that other people are dealing with the same frustrations. And I think in that sense, and you said it was kind of an odd way to kick off a 200th episode, I think this, in a way, epitomizes Star Wars Beyond the Films. Because the one thing we've tried to do from the get-go is, we're just being honest with you. This is us. This is our fandom. This is what we're thinking at the time. This is what we're feeling at the time. This is our opinion on the stories at the time. And let the chips fall where they may. If it angers people, if it upsets people, if people are nodding, if people are cheering, you know, it is what it is. This is who we are. And if people don't like it, if people disagree and they want to stop subscribing, they don't, if they want to stop listening, it's their choice, you know, but we're not going to tailor ourselves and put on a fake veneer to somehow appease those who don't want to see the boat rocked at all. Uh, you said, you know, get back in the boat. 
we're in the boat, so we're grabbing the sides and we're kind of jockeying back and forth already, um, but we're back in it. And I would like to think that our audience members are kind of the same way uh, or hopefully are, or don't feel afraid to express their opinions. And as a whole, maybe, you know, we can sort of our own vibe sort of feeding off each other can make things better for all of us. So uh, I'm glad we're at 200 and I'm glad that we're back. Um, I do think this was a necessary episode and hopefully the audience will agree instead of thinking that we just spent an hour, two hours or whatever it was just sitting here griping and uh, and ranting. No, I think we we came to an epiphany here. Uh, you know, you were talking about your enthusiasm for talking to your fellow fans being down. And I, I agree that there is a large part of that. And I think the reason why it's hitting us so hard is because you and I, we do get a kick out of talking to each other because of our enthusiasm for the product. And so when you throw out, you know, hey, I, I like this and, and you reach out there and everybody's coming down on it and you get that more often and more often, you do kind of go into your shell. And I think that you know, with all the things that were going on in our lives, it just became easier to fall into that shell. And, you know, every time I sit here and I talk with you, I just, I come away with missing this, you know, like I love getting back to these moments, us getting back into the episodes, getting the recordings going and that stuff. I, I, it's so uplifting to talk to someone who gets it the way I do. And that feeling that I get when me and you talk is something that I strive for with the other fans out there, you know, to, to find that common accord, you know, and I get it, you know, you don't have to like a book. You don't have to like the comics for you and I to have something in common. And I think that that's the thing is that we're so busy right now looking at the things that we like that the other person doesn't like that we're overlooking the things that we do like together. And I, I think that that's one of the things for me is like, you know, getting to talk with you again brings that back, brings back the positive side that I feel like I feel like I've been drowning in darkness of late. Like the dark side is slowly consuming me from within. Is there an old Sith temple under your house? There could be like I, I <laughs> feel like, yeah, like like something happened the day Disney did their whole Legends announcement and, and stuff like like somebody had put work underneath my house and was building some kind of crypt or something because there was a darkness growing in my heart, man. And like I it's still a little bit there, but like, you know, just basking in the light of, of the show is, is helping lift it right now. So again, like I said to you guys out there, uh, you know, if, if you like what we're doing, you love what we've been doing, you want to help lighten our moods, go leave us a positive review on iTunes. Or again, hit us up with that hashtag alt legends. Uh, let us know how that definition of those militant, that small group of just negative fans, how that titling of it has helped your life. You know, something like that. Let us know. And hey. We're going to receive crap anyway, so no need to invite, right? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Anything else, Nate, before we uh, wrap this up and get this uh, show flying home? No, just uh, thanks for sticking with us for 200, and hopefully uh, we'll be on track for 200 more. Amen to that. Now that about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom. Remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Stitcher and on iTunes, which of course we always encourage you to leave us a nice positive review while you're at it. We just can't take any more negative. Uh, you can also find links to 
our episodes on both our Twitter and Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in the search bar. Hey, but no matter how you get there, be sure to like our Facebook page. It is one of the best ways to interact with us. It's our own home one, if you will. We're pretty quick at responding to you, in fact. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with your fellow fans, hence we respond so quickly. Uh, if you have any Star Wars and or Legends questions, or you just want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can also email us directly at SWBeyondFilms at StarWarsFanWorks.com. Now, lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention to you our sponsors, Audible. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Report, you get a free trial run of Audible to see what it's all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars universe, either one, or any other genre without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate because Audible members can exchange any book within 12 months. That's one year with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So, once again, for Stars Beyond the Films, has been Mark and Whistler. And Nathan. Saying, thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. And don't quote us the odds that somebody's going to think we're saying Audible Trail, not Audible Trial, and they think it's like Marco Polo game or something. It, it is a Marco Polo game. It's a Marco Can't Talk game. What are the odds of that? <laughs> What are the odds that I might get death threats? I don't think, I don't think I'm 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 concise enough on any topic to really tick people off that much. Maybe I don't know. Well, I find it interesting that my the the threat of violence to me for was was in light of and with the the context of a Disney has just destroyed what you've worked so long for. I'm like, well, then shouldn't I be the one that's mad? <laughs> shouldn't I be the one threatening somebody? What? But yeah, find your logic baffling, and I'm illogical. <laughs> now I would quote Star Trek and say that it's highly illogical, but then I might get threats from others. How dare you dog track on our Star Wars show? Ah, they're gonna hate it when I start doing my my marathon of all the Star Trek series and movies soon. As soon as I finish Andromeda, <laughs> that's all right. Disney Lucas film. Excuse me. I think I belched as I was saying that. I, I just completely lost my train of thought. I was saying that they... What was I just saying? My policy on the timeline golds page is basically for being intellectually dishonest and we try to... Cat's meowing. Stop! Ain't that the cat's meow. <laughs> uh, and the things that were happening... Well, one second. While you say whatever you're going to say, I need to go get the door, apparently. <laughs> <laughs>